0: But welcome, everybody, to part two of this series called Toxic. I want to just take a chance. I know we've done it several times in the service, but I want to welcome everybody to church, all right? I want to welcome those who are in the building and those who are watching online. Just want to give a special welcome to you. Come on, church. Can we welcome each other to church today? that we are one church in separate locations that we are everybody is where they are this morning but we are one church together still praying and worshiping uh, and learning the word together it's just a chance to to have that cohesiveness. I know this season looks different but I'm just praying that we come closer together spiritually that we're able to become one church Uh, That we're not divided over different things, but that we are one church together, seeking one goal, and that is spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right, Go ahead and grab out your Bible and your notes. You know the routine, right? We believe in taking notes here at Victory. If you have a notepad to jot some things down, I'm praying the Holy Spirit would speak to you, that you can jot some things down to reference on your spiritual journey, that later on that you would look back and see them. Uh, If you'd like to write down what I want you to write down, there's a fill-in-the-blank version of the notes in the Victory Church app. You can download that on any Device. Uh, You can also use your devotions out of it. It's a really nice tool uh, for you to use. So we want to make that available for you. But we're in part two of a series called Toxic. Uh, And so we were talking about that it's very important from time to time in part one to detox sometimes, to get some things that have grown toxic in our hearts back out of our hearts, to get some things that have crept into our life that maybe we've allowed. To remove those things and to detox from them. We understand this from a physical health perspective, right? We understand that from time to time you need to detox your body. Uh, From time to time you need to get rid of right sugars or bread or whatever thing is in vogue that's unhealthy for you during that season. But you need to detox those things. I believe that it's important to also have a season of that as Christians and often all the time to be looking for those things that we can detox our spiritual lives that we can begin to see some little toxins that have crept in that are trying to choke out a different part of our life. And so our theme verse is out of Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. It says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And so we talked about in in step number one, we talked that the soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. That in the soul is the center of our humanity. It's your thoughts, it's your desires, it's your emotions, the way that you interact with the world. And the problem with that is, if the soul is the center of humanity, it's often the place that is most under attack. This is the place that you will most come under attack, both by the devil's schemes against you, and then we'll talk about another way that we come under attack today. And so, in chapter one, or in step one, we talked about the mind, about thoughts. How everything that happens in our life begins with a thought how it's the first place that we are attacked when someone is attacking the soul. When the devil tries to come against us, it's in our thought life. And so we learned in, in step one, we learned how we can get rid of those thoughts and how we can take them captive. And so that was first one. In this second week, I want to talk about your desires, your will. And then in week, one, in week three, we'll end up with our toxic emotions and how many of those we have and how we relate to the world and how we can keep those under control. Because I believe God wants us to be healthy in every single area. I believe that he doesn't want us just to be healthy in our thought life and let our emotions run wild. I think that he wants us to be healthy in our desires as well. And so we're going to look at each one to live the life that God has called us to. So let me set the stage really quickly because I think what we're going to talk about today confuses some Christians sometimes. Uh, oftentimes, a lot of Christians will get saved and they think because they've committed their life and the Holy Spirit now lives on the inside of them and their sins are forgiven. A lot of times they'll fall into the trap of, well, then I'll never be tempted to sin anymore and I'll just live my life and it'll be that. That'll be the way that it is. Come on, somebody. People, people begin to get into that and they begin to say, well, it'll never happen to me. And while it's true that our sins are forgiven at the cross and while it's true that the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us, the reality is the humanity part of us. That flesh part, the Bible calls it about, that corrupted part of us still remains this side of heaven. And so we have to learn what to do with that. Those desires still creep up inside of us, those temptations. And a lot of people want to just gloss over it and pretend they don't have them. And we're going to talk about that today because you'll hear people say, well, well, underneath humanity and humans and people are just inherently good. It's all these external factors. And that is absolutely false, everybody. Come on anybody anybody who's married knows that is absolutely false. Come on somebody. This people try to say that we're inherently and the truth is we're inherently evil. On the inside of us we are corrupt. We are seeking our own destruction and we have this sin nature, the flesh the Bible calls us, because if we were good on the inside If all of humanity was good, then we would never have needed Jesus to die to save us from ourselves, to save us from this sin, to save us from these things that try to take over our lives. We would have never needed a savior if we were good inside of ourselves. But how many know we do need a savior? How many know we do need that sacrifice? And so the Bible says now we have to deal with this part of our life. And Paul talks about this all throughout the book of Romans and then Galatians. I want to show you a verse out of the book of Galatians 5. And we'll probably do a book study on Galatians a little later this year. But I want to show you verse 17. He says the sinful nature, that part of you, that sinful nature wants to do evil. And watch this, which is just the opposite of what the spirit that now lives in you wants to do. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. A lot of you have seen that at play in your life. You know what he's talking about. With the sinful, these two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. So the truth is, the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of us. But then day to day, we are fighting between the desires he gives us, the desires to do what is good, which is being fought against with this desire to do what is evil, this sinful part of us. And we're faced with a challenge. We're tempted to sin. We're faced with a part of us pulling us, trying to get us to give in to those desires. And so we're going to talk about today how we can embrace the Holy Spirit's portion of this. How we can silence toxic desires that try to rage inside of us, all right? The desires that we have that are inherently evil. The Bible talks about this in James chapter 1. We're going to hang out here for the first half of the message. Because I believe this shows the path that we walk. We're going to read the verse and I'll kind of show it to you. This path that we walk to give into these desires that oftentimes we don't even notice that we're giving into. So we'll read it out of James chapter 1. He says, each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and they're enticed. And so I want to pause for a moment and just say that this verse honestly highlights a part of the Bible that maybe we don't like as much. Because I think sometimes in Christian circles, the devil gets a little too much credit for some things that maybe he doesn't even do. I think a lot of times we want to give him all the credit that the devil did this and he attacked me in this way. When James is saying, no, 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 there's some evil inside of you. There are some evil desires that entice and drag away and that fight against the Holy Spirit. And a lot of times we have to let the birds come home to roost, right? We have to understand that inside of us, there are some evil things that we are responsible for. And then it goes on to say, after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So this is the path that we walk. This is oftentimes when we get far from God or when we allow ourselves to get enticed or dragged away, we see this path take us out. And this is oftentimes Christians, because this is written to Christians, that we find ourselves in this path. We find ourselves down this slope. And if we don't silence the voice of these desires with the power of the Holy Spirit, then we will find ourselves led away. And then we'll find ourselves at the very end of this, after we've given into the desire and we've given birth to sin... It results in death. And that New Testament word for death there means separation. And so while it is talking about a physical death, it refers to that. It's also referring to a deeper type of death. It's spiritual. A spiritual death, a separation from God. And a whole lot of us are experiencing spiritual death. A whole lot of us are experiencing a separation where we're not hearing the voice of God clearly anymore. or We're not feeling his presence in our lives clearly anymore. And a whole lot of us have experienced that where we've walked away. And it's because we pursued sin. It's because we've given into the desire and pursued the sin in our lives. Now, here's the path that we walk in deceptions that we fall for all along the way. Let's go back to verse 14 at the top here. It says each person is tempted when they're dragged away by evil desire and enticed." So we have a desire that rages on the inside of us. Jot it down. If you're taking notes, the first thing that we say when that happens is I want it. I want it. Right. Those of you have kids, you know, this phrase very, very well, right? That I, I, I want that thing. I want it. And I just want you to know that there is an entire industry that is targeted at both you and your family that wants you to say this. It's called the media and it spends billions of dollars trying to convince you that you want it. Right. That you want this thing. And it may be products. It may be actual sin. It may be a relationship. It might be a lifestyle. It might be a thing. But they have completely devoted everything that they have to convince you that you want whatever that thing is. And we all fall for it. Right. Right. Don't think that you are so high and mighty. We all fall for these things, right? Even infomercials that convince you that you need something that you would never, ever actually use in your life. How many have an expandable hose that is broken right in your yard right now? That's just my own personal, my own personal pitfall. I don't know what your is. Come on, show hands in the house. How many have a Snuggie? Anybody own a Snuggie in here? Nobody, come on! Forty million sales of Snuggies. Got to be somebody in the house, right? All right. Some people are like, "Don't mess with my Snuggie!" Right? You can talk about cats, but don't talk about my Snuggie. Only in America would we have a blanket that doubles as a piece of clothing. All right, everybody. I don't know. I don't know why why we do it. Or total gyms. Anybody own a total gym? Right? Around 3 a.m. in the morning, you're thinking, "I gotta look like Chuck Norris." Anybody been enticed and dragged away? By the total gym. Now, let's be honest with each other. You've never met anybody who was like cut or shredded or in shape or lean and thought like, how did you do it? And they're, they just respond, 2 a.m. I bought a total gym, right? And that's why nobody, nobody does that thing. P90X, anybody fall into that pitfall? And I don't blame you. Everybody wants to look like Tony Horton, right? He is awesome. 100 years old, looks incredible. We had a guy in college who bought all of the DVDs for P90X. Come on, they're gathering dust in the drawer. They're not doing it. Come on, somebody, because we want it. Somehow we've convinced ourselves, our blurry 3 a.m. mind, that we want that thing. I want it. And we got to have it. And so the devil convinces us in our spiritual lives about all these different things that we see. And we begin to say, I want it. And sometimes it's areas that are truly sinful. But sometimes it's areas that inherently of themselves are not against God's law. But the place that we have placed them in, in our lives, has caused it to cross that line. So many times we say, I want that thing. And if we look into our hearts, we begin to say some of those possessions or those relationships or those items or things that we've attached our significance to. We placed in the wrong place in the priorities of our life. And so too often we fall for this first part that James is talking about. And we begin to tell ourselves, I want it. It's a form of idolatry. And for some people, it's the house that you live in. Some people, it's the neighborhood. Some people, it's the car or the possession or whatever it is. And we begin to say, until I have that thing, I can't possibly be happy. And I just want you to know, if you think that, if you begin to say, I won't be secure till I have it, or I won't be happy, or I won't be satisfied until I have that thing, it is a miserable way to live life. It's a miserable way because there's all different ways that we can justify it in life. The problem is we start attaching our significance to stuff. And Ecclesiastes put it as simply as it can be put. Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't. Enjoy the things that God has given you rather than desiring what you don't. Because the reality is if you let the cycle set in, you take that first step that James is talking about on this path, then you will never be satisfied. It'll never be new enough. It'll never be, it'll never be big enough. It'll never be, ever be rich enough. It'll never be nice enough. It'll never be good enough. You'll always be looking at what everybody else has. And your identity and even in your relationships, you'll start to be unsatisfied in every part of your life. You'll be talking with someone who is a beautiful person of Christ, who probably is very successful and is loved by God. And you'll always be looking over their shoulder. Is someone more important going to walk into the room so I can go talk to them instead? You'll be looking at the people in your life or the things that they have. And you'll be thinking, you know, I I don't have that. And so I'll never be happy until I accomplish it. Or I'll never be happy until I have it. Or I'll never be happy or satisfied until I get that thing. I'm telling you, it's no way to live life. This first step on this slippery path, it is no way to live life. And so we have to understand the devil tempts us just by this little simple, I want it. Well, then the process goes on back to James 14. Tempted and dragged away by desires, enticed. And then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. So now we have put those things in a place of idolatry. And so it's no longer a temptation. Now it's crossed the line into sin. Now we've placed our significance and we start to worship the stuff. We worship the relationships. We worship the next step on the rung. We we begin to worship all those things we don't have. And it becomes idolatry in our lives. And here's what we say to justify it. We say, I deserve it. So we start with, I want it, but now we say, I want it, and so I must deserve it, right? If it's something that I actually want, then I deserve it because I'm a good person, right? I, I know it's sin, but I deserve it because, listen, I, I give, and I serve, and I do all these right things, and I just, I must deserve it in my life. And the verse I want you to see is in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and verse 12, and it says, Everything is permissible for me. It's in quotes because it's saying, that's what you say. But not everything is beneficial, Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Listen to me. There are some things that we allow in our life that are not inherently against God's word, but we have allowed them to get to such a place and we have attached our significance to them and we have set them on the throne of our lives to where it has become a sin. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. So some things we allow in our lives are what cross the line. Listen to me, everybody. Eating two dozen Krispy Kreme donuts is not against God's law, but it's not beneficial. Come on, somebody. Everybody understands that, right? Like, there are things that are permissible... But not beneficial. I remember the first time in my life that I realized I had my own mode of transportation, my own income source, and I could take myself to Krispy Kreme anytime I wanted. Anybody remember that moment? It was a big, it was a watershed moment in my life. Anybody? Yeah. It's. I. Some people remember when they got their first job. They. I remember that moment in my life, and I thought this is, this is amazing. This is like salvation. Come on, somebody. This is good news. Like this is. I just. And so I pulled up. With my own money, and I'm looking in there, and I'm thinking they baptize these in icing, and then they give them to me hot, and it is amazing. I will take them all. I will just, I will, I don't know how much money I have, but I will, lady in the counter, I will take every donut you have in this place. It's just an amazing moment of my life. In college, we arranged Krispy Kreme runs. I just got to tell you how deep this runs, all right? This is confession time this morning. We would go at 2 a.m. in the morning, we'd head down to Chattanooga, and everybody would get a half gallon of milk at the gas station and two dozen donuts each. Come on, somebody. And I would eat all 24, because I am not a quitter. I am a finisher, and I can, I will do it. I do not quit, no matter what it is that I, I think. And they were amazing. It was incredible. It was like sin, to be honest with you, right? You're taking every bite and thinking, this is incredible. And in the back of your mind, you're thinking, I'm going to pay for this later. I'm going to, right? And then, nah, this will never catch up with me. I mean, a few hours later, I paid for that thing on that thing, all right? But it says, right, permissible, not beneficial. Because it says, the next step of this, going going back to verse 14, it says, after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown... Gives birth to death. Three hours later, I was experiencing death after Krispy Kreme. All right, everybody? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Permissible, not beneficial. There are things in life that are permissible, but oftentimes we let them get out of control. We let them take a seat that's not theirs at the table, and they begin to take over our life. We begin to give them too much significance. It's not beneficial. And here's the principle of verse 15. It says, you get into that sin fully grown, gives birth to death. It says death. You're going to experience death. And we begin to say, I know it's sin, but it's a small one. I know that it's, I know that it's something, but it's, it's, it's not. I really want it and I really deserve it. And the Bible is saying, no, you're going to experience death from it. And here's the principle that we say then to justify it. I don't care about all that. I can handle it. So I want it and, and I deserve it. And then we begin to tell ourselves, I know it's wrong. And I know it's become a place that I need to get rid of, but I can handle it truth is you and i can't handle it and the bible says when we pursue it it results in death it results in death and i love the second part of first corinthians 6 that verse 12 and he says everything's permissible not everything beneficial and then he says everything is permissible for me but i will not be mastered by anything The Reality is some things we let into our lives, some things truly sinful, some things that we've allowed in by another thing to take the place in our hearts and lives that God should be taking. But then we start making compromises because we say we want it and we start compromising because we say we deserve it. And then we allow it to remain because we say we can handle it. And then we wake up one day and we're a prisoner to it. You wake up one morning and you realize you're trapped in that sin and you have no control over it anymore. And Paul is saying everything may be permissible, but not everything is beneficial, but I will not be mastered by anything. Now, I know it sounds strong, but I'm going to submit to you something today. And that is, I believe every single one of us has an area of our life that we are mastered by. I think every single one of us, I guarantee you, there's an area that we know is unhealthy. And we know we've let it get out of control or we've left it unchecked for too long. There is an area of our life where the Holy Spirit is not calling all the shots. And all of us have that area. We all have it. So my question for you today is what has you mastered? What has you controlled? What has you trapped? And it could be drugs. It could be alcohol. It could be this place of your life. It could be a sexual sin. It could be something you fell into when you were younger that allowed that you let grow until you were older. It could be all of these things that we've let crept in. For some of us, it could be binge watching on Netflix. Come on, somebody. It might be something that you have let grow. It might be food, the way that we view it. The way that we consume it, it could be all of these things in our life. For some people it could be a little retail therapy. Can I get a witness in God's house, right? You say, I take the credit card and I just feel better. It's just a magical, magical thing. There are these these things that we've allowed to grow out of control. And Paul's saying, I will not be mastered by anything. And we tell ourselves, well, at least I don't do that. Because we know there's an area of our life that's wrong. We know there's an area of our life that's unchecked. But we see people around us that may be a little worse off or maybe stuck in something that we don't struggle with. And we say, at least I don't do that. I know it's sin in my life. I know what I'm doing is wrong. But at least I'm not like that person over there. And Paul is saying, I'm not going to be mastered by anything. I'm not going to look around me and see, well, it's bad that they're stuck in that. That makes me feel a lot better. Paul is saying, no, in my own life, I'm going to get rid of that thing that I've given too great of a place. It's taken the place of Christ in my life. And so what do we do about it? How do we get out of the cycle? If you find yourself on the path, you find yourself slipping down the slope. And you may be starting out. And you may be already arrived at that place where it's brought death into different areas of your life. How do we arrange and how do we get rid of it i want to read this passage that paul speaks in first corinthians and then we're going to pull some principles out of it because i believe that a lot of us are going to get set free from this today and he says if you think you're standing strong be careful not to fall the temptations that come into your life are no different from what others experience and god is faithful he will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand when you're tempted he will show you a way out so that you can endure Listen to me, everybody. This is God's answer to toxic desires. Last week, we talked about taking captive toxic thoughts. Today, we're talking about God's answer to toxic desires that we have in our life. Temptations that come into our life. The Bible tells us how we can overcome it. And it starts with our mindset and understanding God's process. All right, we're going to go through this in the Living Bible. I like how it puts it for this particular verse. And so I want to walk this through with you. It starts out in verse 12. So be careful... If you are thinking, oh, I would never behave like that, let this be a warning to you for you, too, may fall into sin. So the first principle of us being free from this first principle of being free from toxic desires is we need to be humble. We have to be humble. The first thing on this process is we have to be humble because so many of us would say, oh, this is great. I love this sermon. This is really cool talking about addiction and desires and all these things. I'm really I'm happy for that, but it doesn't really apply to me. I'm thinking about my nephew, and that's really great. You're talking about that, Pastor. But my boss, if he could hear this, oh, that would be so good for him. If this friend of mine or if my spouse were listening right now, if they could just hear what you were saying, Pastor, The first thing we have to do is be humble. Each of us has to look inside of ourselves and say, don't be so self-righteous that I'm saying, oh, I would never do that. I would never go there. I would never be that and look inside ourselves and be humble. And we say things like, well, I would never I would never be addicted to that. I would never let that kind of substance take control over my life. I would never I would. And then we're going down the road at 70 miles an hour. On your cell phone, on Instagram thinking, did somebody like my post? Did somebody just double tap and write? Did somebody, did they say anything? I don't know. I don't know what they said. Did they like, I see the heart, but I don't know if the person. And like, I don't know if they, they like this thing. I don't know how many views it got. And we're about to kill everybody else on the road around us, right? And you're looking at it. But then we say, but I would never be addicted to that. I would never let. They got quiet in here this morning. All right, everybody, we're going to. I would never. The reality is, lest you think you are strong, be careful. Paul is saying, be careful because you, too, can fall. So many times it looks different for each person, but sin is sin. Sin is sin. And so Paul tells us all of us are one step from stupid. Come on, somebody. It's all of us are one step away from giving in to something. We're all at that brink. And so lest we look at someone else and say, I would never. We've got to be humble because first John chapter one, verse eight, he says, if we claim we have no sin, if you say I have no sin, you're only fooling yourself. You're not fooling all the rest of us and you're not fooling God. If you say you have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves. You think I have it all together. You're refusing to accept the truth. You're not living in truth. And so the first ditch that we fall into when we come to this is this first ditch of self-righteousness that says I would never. I would never. This message isn't for me because I would never fall into that. What the pastor's talking about couldn't possibly be applied to my life. I'm going to take my notes and give them to somebody else because they need them. But I would never. And then there's a second group of people he addresses in verse 13. He says, but remember this, the wrong desires that come into your life aren't new. And they aren't anything different. They're not new and they're not different. In fact, many others have had the same problem before you because here's the ditch that we fall into. One of them is self-righteous. I would never. The other is self-condemned. That there is no one else who is struggling what I'm struggling with. There's no one else who faces the problems that I face today. In fact, a lot of you have convinced yourself if you were to leave the service today and fill out a prayer card at the prayer table in the foyer, if you were to do that with a prayer that you were actually needing prayer for, you've convinced yourself that you would drop it in the box and Monday morning you would get a call. And that you, it wouldn't be a number that you recognize, and it would be me on the other line. Yes, Mr. Smith, I saw you came yesterday, right, to church. And this is Pastor Ben, and I just want you to know that you're messed up. Like, I just, I just need you to know that we don't pastor people like that here at Victory. We just don't. know. no, sir. We're all perfect. And I just want you to know that I don't even understand that. And so, sorry, you just, yeah, please don't ever come back. Yeah, yeah, we, okay, we love you. Bye-bye. Some of you have convinced yourself that that's how it would be, that there's no way else anybody else struggles with what the problems you have. Nobody faces the things that you face. In fact, you've told yourself, well, yeah, maybe maybe they stretch the truth a little bit or maybe they gossip a little bit or maybe, you know, maybe that, that person at church didn't report all the things on their taxes. Maybe they did, but there's no way they struggle with what I struggle with. There's no way that person is stuck in the things that I'm stuck in. I'm so embarrassed. And Paul is saying you can't think like that. If you want to be free of toxic desires, you want to work this thing out of your life. You want to be healed of it. Paul is saying you can't let that mentality take control. You can't be self-righteous. I would never. And you can't be like this where no one else is like me. He's saying there's nothing new and you don't have anything different. Watch that? Your life, there isn't anything new and there isn't anything different. If we were to be honest today, there's probably three people on your row who struggle with what you struggle with. There's probably countless other people in this room or watching online. There's people in our church who struggle with what you struggle with or walking through those things that you're walking through. But the trick of the enemy and the trick of our lives is we try to get ourselves isolated and say no one else could possibly understand. And so I'm going to hold this inside. I'm never going to deal with it. And you get stuck in that cycle of sin. So here's the second principle that you're going to have to be human. Human. You have to be humble if you want to be free of this thing, but then you're going to have to be human. You got to be humble and then you have to be human and say it is human to fail. And last I checked, all of us are human. All of us are human. Now, the devil does this because he wants you to convince you that you're the only sinner in church, that you're the only sinner. And then you'll isolate yourself. But here's a great principle. The next verse in first John, he says, but if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. The Bible says if we will confess our sins and then there is forgiveness and there's purification, that's great. Vertical confession brings forgiveness from God. It brings forgiveness. It wipes the slate clean. But then too often people stop right here. Too many times inside of the church people will stop with this verse and they don't go any further. And it's important, but it's where people stop. And when they do, they end up in this cycle of sin where it's constantly coming back again and again to repent and to repent for the same thing. And they wake up every morning thinking, why am I still falling into it? Why am I still letting this thing take and you can't figure out why you're still stuck and here's what I believe you'll still go to heaven but you'll be miserable in the process. You'll be miserable in the process. Freedom is found. Watch this in James chapter 5 verse 16. It says therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So vertical confession for forgiveness, horizontal confession and prayer for healing. Remember this is written to the church. This is written to the Christians vertical confession for forgiveness, horizontal confession and prayer for healing. As so we begin to say, I can't escape from the sin cycle. I can't escape from this. I feel like I am the only one and I feel like I am just miserable and stuck in this. In fact, even today in the auditorium there are people who are stuck in this cycle. And you're hating yourself. You love God, but you hate yourself because you're still stuck. And you think, why can't I stop? And why can't I give this up? And why can't I say no to the things I want to say no to? And why am I stuck in this type of relationship or put my significance in this area? It's because there hasn't been that time of healing. You haven't had the cycle healed. And now I know it's hard for us to find that where we begin to say we have to confess to one another. It's among God's people and among prayer that we can confess. And I know it's hard to find a place like that where we can be honest about those things. And to be honest with you a public place like this a sunday morning with 100 people in the room and at this public this is not a relational safe place to begin to say how how are you doing this morning well i'm struggling with this i understand that that's not the thing a large place like this it can only happen in small groups It's why we have the small groups. I got to be honest with you. We don't have the small groups. We're launching them at the end of August and I want you in them. But I want to just be completely upfront with you. It's not so that you can have a great time playing board games or a great time exercising together or learning about a book of the Bible or walking through a curriculum. That's not why we have them. All of those things happen. But the reason that you have them, the reason I want you in a small group is so that you can do this part. You can be human together. That you can find a person that you can be honest with and say, look, I'm struggling with this and not have them say, oh, my, I've never heard of that. I've never I just I can't not have them look at you with some horror, but have them say, yeah, I've struggled with that, too. And hey, this is the way out or have them look at you and say, yeah, I know someone who has that problem. I know someone who walked through it. And so I'm going to get you connected with them. And then we're going to pray and you're going to be healed of this in Jesus name. You're going to walk free. To have that type of relationship, it's why we have the small groups. Everything else is great. I love the fellowship. I love doing life together. But this is the important part. That if you feel stuck in something and you're saying, why can't I ever be free? In the name of Jesus, this semester of small groups, you're going to find somebody that you're able to share with, that you're able to live life with, you're able to be honest with. And there's some prayers that are going to go up to heaven and there's some freedom that's going to come to God's people. I want that for you with everything inside of me. You have somebody that says, I'm going to walk through it with you. That I'm not just going to kind of put you at arm's length, but we're going to walk through this thing. And then we have to allow ourselves to be human. We have to be humble. And then in verse 13, he says, and guess what? No temptation is irresistible. So at the end of all this, he's saying you have to be humble and you have to be human and there needs to be healing. But no temptation is irresistible. You can trust God to keep the temptation from becoming so strong that you can't stand up against it. For he's promised this. And we'll do what he says. Come on, everybody. I love that verse. He was promised this. he'll do what he says. He'll show you how to escape temptation's power so that you can bear up patiently against it. Number three, jot it down as we close, is you have to be helpable. We have to be helpable. And to be honest with you, I don't really like that word all that much, but I needed an H and all my points are H and I have preacher's disease, so stop making fun of me already, everybody. You have to be humble. You have to allow yourself to be humble, you have to be human. And you have to be helpable. You have to put yourself in a place where you'll actually allow God to help you. You have to actually allow God to help you. See, when we get in trouble, a lot of times our first reaction, a lot of times our first reaction is to run from God. When we find ourselves stuck in something, a lot of times the first thing we do is we run as far as we can from him. Because we say, I've got to get it all together in order to get to God. And God is looking at our life and he's saying, no, 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 come to me first. And then I'll help you get all of this together. And then I'll help you be set free. And then I'll help you. God is saying, don't run from me. We run too. And we have to allow ourselves to be helpable. Because it's his power that changes our life. And I want to look at a verse. I want to give you a fresh look at a verse that you've heard a million times. And I want to do it out of the message paraphrase. And sometimes the message paraphrase can get a little off. But I think it's amazing in how it translates this verse. John 3 and verse 16. It says, this is how much God loved the world. This is how much God loved you. That he gave his one and only son. He only had one and he gave him for you. That he only had one son. You say, well, why would he do that? This is why. So that no one would need to be destroyed. And that by believing in him, anyone. Watch that word, anyone. That by believing in him, anyone. I don't care what your past is. I don't care what you're stuck in. I don't care what your cycle of sin is. I don't care how far you've run. Anyone. Anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go through all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger. No, no, no. Bad, bad, bad. Wrong, wrong, wrong. That's not why Jesus came. It's not why he came. Said he didn't send his son to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. Watch this. Everybody read this with me. He came to help. Every voice today, he came to help. He came to help to put the world right again. Listen to me, everybody. Jesus didn't come. So that you would be guilty. He came to set you free. He came to set you free. Every head bowed. Every eye closed today as we pray. I want you to know that Jesus' mission was to set you free. That today you may feel stuck in something. Today you may be stuck in a cycle of sin. Or you may have placed something on the pedestal of your life. You may have put something in a place that it doesn't deserve. And you feel trapped by it. I want you to know today that who the sun sets free is free indeed, that you can leave this cycle of sin behind. These toxic desires that have dominated your life, I want you to know that it's God's will that you would be free today. But for some of us, we've walked that path of lies, and maybe for some of us, we've experienced death in our life, maybe a spiritual death, that we feel far from God today. We feel stuck in the cycle of sin, and we woke up one morning and we were trapped by it. Some of you feel far from him. Some of you have never had a relationship with him. And you see in your life these behavioral problems and you see these cycles of things that you know need to be left out of your life, but you have no idea how to be free from them. Today, I want to pray with you. Today, I want to pray over your life because I'm here to tell you you'll never be free of them without the power of God. Without his Holy Spirit in your life, you'll never be free of that. And so if you want to pray that prayer today, you want to pray that prayer of freedom, you want Jesus Christ to forgive your sins. If that's you today. I just want to pray with you. And I want you to know I'm not going to make you stand up. I'm not going to make you come to the front. This isn't about embarrassing you. It's about connecting you with Jesus. We have this awesome. Awesome thing that we do at the church called baptism where there will be a chance for you to make a public declaration of what god has done on the inside But right now this is between you and jesus Right now this is a chance between you and him to make things right So I want to pray over you today I can give you the words of the prayer, but you have to say them and you have to mean them in your own life So come on church. Let's pray this with those who want to make that decision if that's you today Pray this prayer with us. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me of all of my sins, of all my mistakes. I accept what you did on the cross, that you died for me and that you rose again. Now say these words, I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus name. Now, Father, I pray for every person in our church, God. Today, we take authority over these desires that have kept us captive. We take authority, God, over these desires that have led us astray over temptations that have tried to lead us off of the path and the life that you have for us. Father, I pray that every person, God, that the Holy Spirit would give us the power this week to say no to sin and yes to what you have. To say no to the desires and to say yes to what you have for us. Yes, to the life that you're calling us to lead. Lord, that you would help each person find the strength and you would show us a way out. That you promised it in your word and what you have promised you will do. And Lord, I pray a special blessing, God, over our small groups. That we would find someone we can be honest with. Someone that can pray with us. Someone that can walk through it with us. Lord, that we can go free. God, we thank you that whom the sun sets free is free indeed. We thank you that the power of repetitive sin, the power of the cycle, the power that has us bondage, God, the power that has us bound, Lord, that we can go free. We thank you that you have given the Holy Spirit, Lord. Show us this week. Lead us in the path you have for us. And we'll give you all the glory and all the praise. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and all God's church said, amen and amen. Can we give God praise for what he's done?